Hey, it's time for Cooking Politics. I'm Cass, and today I'm meeting with a candidate for the Missouri State District 30, Mr. Raymond Lampert. Before we get started with today's podcast, let me tell you about Anchor. Anchor is the platform that I use to create my podcasts. It's totally free to use. You just go to Anchor FM and download the app to your smartphone or computer. It's free. And did I mention you can earn money when you're using Anchor? Anchor has many different options to help you create your podcast. And once you're done creating your podcast, you can edit it, add some bling, and upload your podcast to seven different podcast listening sites in addition to your smartphone sites. So what are you waiting for? Go to Anchor FM, download your app, and get started today. And so I wanted to start out, just tell us about yourself. Sure. Uh, Well, I am an attorney. I am a native of Springfield. Um, I attended Wilder Elementary, Glendale High School, and Drury University before attending law school at the University of Missouri, Columbia. I have been practicing law since 2005, and since 2008, I've had my own solo practice uh, here in Springfield, where I mainly represent individuals who have been the target of unlawful workplace practices, uh, discrimination, harassment, wrongful termination, wage and hour claims. And right now, I am running to be the Democratic candidate for the 30th uh, Senatorial District, which covers the city of Springfield. So I, I have a lot of questions about Springfield, and I know that you're representing the whole state. I ask a lot of questions about Springfield because it trickles down. Mm-hmm. What you do at the state affects us. Sure. Every, well, it affects the whole state. Right. But you're from this district. I went to the census, and Springfield's population is 169. I'm just going to round it. Mm-hmm. 169,000. The median income is $37,491. The poverty rate is 21.7%. That's a lot. Yes. Yes, it is. Uh, and it's reflective, I think, of the region as well. The cities, Springfield being the third largest city in the state... Uh, is has an interesting combination of both urban and rural issues. Uh, we're good-sized enough that we have a large population and a fairly strong and diverse economy. Uh, but the flip side of that is that there are a lot of people who sadly have been left behind in that. You know, I drive around town, uh, you know, in and outside of the city, and we see huge homes mm-hmm. uh, we see you know nice office buildings and we see large factories uh, we see the hospital you know the enormous hospitals and all that but we also have you know a huge amount of people in our city that are our renters uh, we have a lot of housing that is you know substandard uh, we have you know I think that one of the one of the issues and this is this is both a local and a state issue. You know, some of the issues that we've been dealing with are you know, things like you know, inadequate uh, uh, sheltering and protection for, uh, for the homeless, uh, inadequate poverty assistance, lack of uh, good public transportation. Well, Missouri just got a three-point-some million dollar grant for the homeless. Well, that's good. I it just was... caught that in the headlines, but I didn't get to read the whole article. I'm concerned... 
I'm concerned what they, how they're going to use that money, but you're going to be at the state level, so that won't affect you. Yeah, I mean it's a dec- it's a decent start, assuming that it uh, you know that it's spent wisely. Um, speaking of rent, rent is like the average rent in Springfield is seven hundred and sixty dollars a month for a one bedroom or two bedrooms. This is off yeah. the census. It just said average is seven hundred and sixty a month, and it said. You know, with the average salary being thirty-seven thousand, that eats up half their salary just for rent. Right. Pretty much. Well, yeah, average rent. Uh, I mean, that's difficult to you know to measure out what it means on a per person basis. Uh, you know, when I my first apartment uh, in town when I was in college, that was a bit over twenty years ago. Um, the buildings are still there. There were ones on Bennett across from a craft factory. That was I think about three twenty-five a month. Yeah, that was. You know, 21 years ago, obviously times changed. You know, the prices of everything yeah, have six, changed. Yeah, six, seven hundred dollars now. Yeah, I think. Um, and we have seen a, you know, we have seen an increase in uh, the building of apartments, mainly in you know in and around the university uh, area on the north side of town. Um, and I understand that you know many people may not like, you know. To have apartments nearby, but you know, with a city that's growing as ours, you know, it's important to have you know more high density uh, residential opportunities for people to live in. Uh, but the city is still very much a house, you know, housing city, uh, less for apart, less for much of apartments. Uh, We're kind of a college town too, aren't we? Aren't we considered a college town? Um, some may consider us that. I mean, we've got the universities, uh, but... I think we have five universities. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, Missouri State alone is, what, 20,000, 30,000 people? It's a, you know, huge... You know, I went to Drury, much smaller, smaller private school. I did school. too, but I didn't make it all the way through. Mm. Single mom. Yeah, uh, but, you know, I think the S- Springfield is, is more of a more than a college town. You know, we have a very... I think it's good that we have a very diverse uh, economic base. Uh, you know, we have the hospitals, we have uh, O'Reilly, we have Prime, we have Craft. You know, you know, uh, but we lost. We lost a couple of. I mean, Convoy of Hope. They left us, or they're leaving us. Yeah, that's uh, you know that's true. Uh, there's the new Amazon. Uh, that's in Republic. Facility. Well, yeah, it's not in the city itself, but it employs. Springfield residents. Uh, we have, uh, well, you know, there's a lot of growth, of course, going in the surrounding communities as well, uh, which, you know, I think also does benefit the city, you know, does benefit Springfield. Yeah, I can mm-hmm. see that. Yeah. They can commute up here to go to the movies or go shopping or mm-hmm. Bass Pro or whatever. Yeah. I can see that. Okay. So, um, we have about nine trade schools in Springfield. I wasn't aware of this, hmm. according to the census. But I don't know. They did. That's all they said. We have, we, they don't, the census didn't record how many people went to trade schools, which I thought was kind of a failing because... Mm-hmm. I think they, they must also be including the, uh, the private uh, career schools mm-hmm. uh, that we have in the area. On the trade schools? I would think so. Like beuticians, real estate. Possibly. Were included. Yeah. I think you have Bryant. You also have yeah. like groups like OTC that. OTC and... Yeah. Well, OTC is obviously the big one. Yeah. 
you know, uh, the welding school. Uh, yeah, the, yeah, there's a welding school, but there's no stats on that. But there is stats. It said um, 48,554 Springfieldians have degrees. Mm-hmm. 48,000, so uh, just under a third. Five colleges and nine trade schools. I would have expected a little higher. I don't know. Hmm. But I'm not a professional economic person or anything, so yeah. I don't know. Um, in July of 2021, Missouri Governor Parsons signed into law a bill for, quote, limited school vouchers, end quote. Are you familiar with this bill? Not in particular, but I am familiar with the idea of school vouchers. Uh, you know, I have to say, I don't think that they're a good idea because I don't believe that our tax dollars should be used to subsidize private schools. And that's exactly what's happening. The thing that concerns me is that you have to have a, a um, let me just say for the record, in this law, private donors or parents can give money to a 501c3. Mm. It, which is a nonprofit, and that nonprofit would in turn give scholarships to their children to attend private schools. It would also pay it would pay tuition, books, transportation to and from school, tutoring, and other educational related expenses. Which that's an open ended thing right there. Sure. Other educated, but it's only for students who reside in cities with a population of thirty thousand and up. Hmm. Well, There's only 28 cities in Missouri that have that population. Right. Yeah. That bothers me. Yeah. Sorry. I mean, obviously, if parents want to spend their own money to send their children to private schools, then, you know, that's their right to do that. Uh, you know, but we shouldn't be diverting, you know, public school money away from our already underfunded public schools. Which is what's going to happen because our... Yeah. Privates or our public schools are financed through a headcount. How many students are in their school? Yeah, and you know we are we're already seeing this. You know, not only across the state but across the country, people running for and elected to school boards who are anti-public education. You know, and I think that you know myself if, as a know hopeful representative you know elected representative we should be standing up for our public schools and not and not giving you know giving our money away to private schools you know that's yeah your opponent felt like because i interviewed angela romine on mm. another podcast and she felt like it was going to benefit the public schools because there would be fewer students in the classroom it's well my opponent. Well, she's not yet my opponent. She is, you know, right. running right. the primary in the Republican primary. But, you know, that's I think that's kind of a ridiculous argument because the issue isn't the number of students in the schools. It's the number of students relative to teachers, relative to administrators, relative to the amount of funding and facilities that they have. You know, you can have a good small public school. You can have a good large public school. And it's about have, making sure they're properly funded and uh, and run. So I did send my children to a private school, but I paid for it myself. I used my tax return to pay for it. Back mm -hmm. then, it covered it. It doesn't these days. But, um, sure. So I, I 
I'm with you on that. I think if you want to send your child to a private school, then that's your choice. Right. That's just your choice. We shouldn't have to fund it. But So I'm with you on that one. Um, in the Springfield News Leader, they reported that approximately 125 Missouri schools dropped back to a four-day school schedule due to funding. Mm, yeah. Does that concern you? Yes, it does. Now, it, these schools would be rural schools, so they wouldn't be eligible for this private school issue right. either because their towns don't have 30,000 population. Right. I know it's you know it's unfortunate that that's that that's happening uh, you know because of lack of funding and you know I don't think that I, I don't I don't like that trend you know fewer days than fewer hours I mean I'm all in favor of efficient schooling but I don't see how that is going to really help the students be prepared for either entering the workforce or moving to higher education. Yeah. Missouri ranked 49th out of 50 states in teacher pay. This year, our legislators provided a $13,000 pay increase for new hire teachers only. And it's only for one year. Yeah. Do you feel like this was just a ploy during election year, or do you feel like this is part of the COVID money they had to just spend it? Well, at least they spent it on the teachers themselves rather than, you know, wasting it. But, <clears throat> yeah, this isn't the sort of thing that should be, well, it's a one-time only thing. It doesn't time. benefit anyone in the long run. It doesn't improve the schools. It doesn't uh, improve the lives of the existing teachers. And But it sounds good on the campaign trail. Yeah. one. Yeah. We raised our teachers' salaries. Right. But they only did it for the new hires. They didn't do it for the teachers that were already hired. Yeah. yeah. I have uh, yeah several you know, friends and family members who uh, are public school teachers, you know, and you know, they they work incredibly hard. Yeah, they do. Uh, and, you know, it's, you know, the, the other side, you know, the, the other party gives a lot of lip service, but they won't do anything to help them. Uh, you know, they claim that the schools are fully funded according to the formula because they adjusted the formula. You know, it's like uh, you know, cutting off the the top half of a glass of water that's half full and then claiming that it's full. Water. You know. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. That's a good analogy. Yeah. So I think did we talk about the school rankings? Uh, we you mentioned it briefly. Um, in April, the U.S. News and World Report. 2022 best high schools rankings were released out of 465 Missouri high schools none of the Springfield or Springfield Metro schools ranked in the top 10 does that concern you absolutely it does and you know, <coughs> the we've now, had I realize that you're going to stay and we're talking about local issues but we'll also address the rural towns too sure well, the state uh, now school funding, of course, is a multi-leveled issue: state, federal, local, uh, and yeah, it's uh, it's disappointing that you know our city's public schools are doing so poorly. I think one of the reasons, well, there's a large variety of reasons for that. Uh, you know, 
as the city grows, you have more people, you're having more students put into public schools. At the same time, we're seeing a lot of uh, a lot of growth in the surrounding communities of the city, Nixa, Ozark, Stratford, Rogersville. Um, my nephews, they uh, they go to Rogersville, and it's you know, it's a very very nice school. Um, and I think that all of our schools should be of high quality, regardless of where they are. Well, it's just my opinion. <clears throat> but, I mean, education should be the number one priority of anything, in my opinion, because you want your state to succeed. You want your city to succeed. Yeah. You want your country to succeed. And how are you going to do that without a proper education? Well, exactly. That's just my opinion. Well, education is a, excuse me, education, it's an investment into, you know, into our future. Right. And if you're not investing uh, into our future now, then, you know, we're not going to have the kind of future that we want. The rankings are based on graduation rates, college-level exam scores, math, reading, science scores, school enrollment, Mm -hmm. student diversity, and the percentage of students on free or reduced-priced lunches. Right. The top 29 in the Springfield metro area, Central rated number 5, Kickapoo was number 11, Mm -hmm. and Glendale was number 20. That's out of the top 30 just in the Springfield area mm-hmm. I was surprised my school outranked all of you hmm. the school I went to years ago yeah ranked all of Springfield I was just kind of concerned that I always felt like the larger the school the more financing they got I would think they would have done better right and, and I don't mean to yeah. diss Springfield schools it might sound like that I'm just going off the rankings yeah that's definitely a, uh, you know a concern, and you know, I think that's a combination of you know the trend you know that's indicative of the trends that we've been seeing you know for some time. I mean, we can have good public schools, mm-hmm. uh, but the current party in power doesn't seem to care about they that. They don't seem to care about. It. I'm sorry. And if they wanted good public schools, that you know if they wanted better public schools, they would do what they need to do to get better public schools. I've got just one more thing on schools, and then we'll move to summer camps. Okay. Um, the Springfield Metro schools in the top 100, Central came in at 87. Mm-hmm. Kickapoo at 137, didn't make the top 100. And Glendale at 296, they didn't make that top 100. Do you feel like maybe perhaps in the Springfield schools at least because they don't have farm chores and whatnot. Do you think year-round school would improve? I don't know. Uh, you know, I can't really say say that for sure. You know, when I was uh, when I was in high school, my summers were well. Actually, you know, growing I was growing up, my summers were were busy. I was in scouts. I went to uh, went to summer camp. I went to you know other activities. Uh, I you know when I was in high school, I was in the band, and so we started. We more or less had like one fewer month of summer than everyone else because we were in band rehearsal, uh, you know, the month before school started. What'd you play? Percussion. I uh, was in the uh, the pit, uh, which is the the percussionist you see in the front. I was in that for three years. And I marched snare for one year. Okay, so we're moving to summer camps, and it was all over the Springfield News Leader today. I located 16 Christian summer 
schools. Summer camps, yeah. Well, summer camps, but they also, some of them have year-round residents. Mm -hmm. Some of these schools do. Um, three of these were prosecuted or are being prosecuted for sexual abuse, assault, ab assault abuse, physical and mental, and food abuse. Yeah. So I tried to find the regulations on the summer camps, and I can't find... The only thing I could find was that they are regulated by Missouri Department of Health and Senior Services. Mm -hmm. And so I looked at what the requirements were, and there's no license required for a resident camp. So I guess anybody could just start one, or a summer camp. And yeah. there's no criminal background checks. Right. Yeah, that's... Some of these camps have been under investigation for 10 years they've yeah some of them have been in operation for four decades i know my brother went to uh, canacook they're on for, the bad list yeah for years i didn't hear anything from him about you know anything like that going on uh i don't know if this is more recent or if this is you know in the last 10 years or if it's been going on for a long time i believe it said canacook mm -hmm. has been investigated for 10 years they've been watching them because of the severity of the yeah of the abuse yeah that's we think in 10 years our representatives could have done something to get better regulations for these and many of them may not have even known about it you know like you know they're so far they seem to be fairly good they, they've been fairly i guess uh, successful in in hiding what they've been doing for a long time if the parents either don't know about it or are unwilling to say anything and the local or state prosecutors aren't willing to devote the time and resources to these places which are big business to you know hold them accountable it's uh, yeah I think uh, I think something like this would re require now that we you know, that, now that it's more widely known uh, more stringent regulations and inspections is this something you could take to state with you if you when you get elected, uh, I would be very interested in doing that. And I think that this, that, that is definitely I mean, something. These are that our needs, children. Yeah. And that some of this abuse will scar them for the rest of their life. Yeah, and I think this is, that is, that would definitely be the sort of thing that I would want uh, to you know, to be investigated you know, very thoroughly. Moving on, NRA, Gun Owners of America. I was never, I was not familiar with Gun Owners of America. They are apparently competing with NRA. They think everybody should have a gun no matter what hmm. and should be able to take their gun everywhere no matter what. That's the Guns Owners of America. In May alone, we've had the Buffalo mass shootings, the church Asian mass shootings, and then the, the Texas yes. school shootings. What are your thoughts on that, on strengthening some of these laws? It's a very difficult question because, I mean, I'm all, I don't have anything against someone owning a firearm for, say, hunting. You know, my, my brother-in-law is a very avid uh, hunter and outdoorsman, and he's safe with his, you know, with his rifles and shotguns. But the sort of uh, weapons that are used in these mass shootings, they are, these are essentially military-grade weaponry. Uh, and there's no rational reason for any civilian to own or even have access to something like this. 
we need, we need a large comprehensive program to address this at all levels. Uh, you know, for one thing, what one state does, um, you know, may not affect what another state. You know, the federal government they have access, they have authority to control things like importing and exporting and transporting across state lines. You know, a an individual state can ban the sale and possession of certain weapons uh, or high-capacity magazines or, you know, ghost guns, if you've heard of those. And I know the standard response for many of these is, well, if you ban guns or you may, you know, then people will just get them illegally. Well, you know, the arg- that argument just means you may as well not have any laws at all, which, of course, is absurd because uh, people are going to break laws. But the point is you make it more difficult for the wrong people to get these kind of guns. These children in the Texas school shooting, the ammunition did such damage they couldn't recognize the child. They had to get DNA testing to verify right. that it was their child. And 60 Minutes had a program, I believe last Sunday, and they showed the 9 millimeter shooting through, they call it like a jello mode, but it's different. Ballistics gelatin, yeah. usually? Yeah. yeah, and it just goes straight through. And then they took the gun that they used at the school shooting, and it just tore the whole inside of that jello out. Yeah. I mean, I just don't feel like... I know that's just my opinion, but I just don't feel like there's a need for that kind of weapon unless you sign up, enlist. Yeah, yeah there, there are no nice bullets. You know, there's... Those sort of weapons have only one purpose, and that's to kill people. You know, handguns or assault rifles... You know, are, well, assault rifles are designed to kill people. You know, mili- they're military-type weaponry. And well, I'm not anti-gun. I own weapons, too. Sure. But I don't own, and have no desire to own that gun that they used in Texas. Um, I'm going to move on. Sure. My, my district rep, Representative Black, and Representative Eric... Burleson, and I can't remember the other rep's name, they fought like crazy to get the, the Missouri gun laws, what's the word, lax to... Loosened, be, Loosened, yeah. Yes, to the point that I think, if I'm not mistaken, the U.S. Attorney General Garland is suing Missouri. <laughs> That's a, well, a colossal waste of our money and resources, uh, you know, to sue the, for the a state official to sue the state... Over something like that? I think the law enforcement... I wish I'd brought that article with me. Sorry, I didn't. Sure. The law enforcement were angry at this new law that they passed because it tied their hands as far as being able to track their criminal yeah, or yeah. their suspect. The criminals and suspects, yeah. like the. So I think that's yeah. why the attorney general got in on it because mm-hmm. it hampered our law enforcement's ability to do their job. But I'll move on. Okay. Do you think the Missouri elections were fair without fraud or not? Uh, I haven't seen anything to suggest that there was any sort of widespread voter fraud. Uh, you know, the, But we have seen efforts by the party in power to make it more and more difficult for poor people and for minorities to vote, by you know they want to, you know, put mandate make mandatory photo IDs. They want to allow 
we've seen this in many other states, allow local election authorities to just refuse certain people voting if they, if in their opinion, the uh, you know their ID is is right, or if they think that the vote may have been fraudulent. You well, know. and somebody said the signature. They can kick you out if your signature doesn't match. Yeah, if it doesn't. But match I guarantee it. my signature on this pen and paper is not going to match what that electric pen does. Exactly. That computer pen. Yeah, it's just a way to allow uh, allow you know the people who run elections or you know the folks who are sitting at the you know at the table when you go to vote uh, to target people that they think are going to vote the wrong way uh, and that is absolutely unacceptable you know I mean to think about it you know well for one thing there have been a few isolated incidents of electric of election fraud nearly all of them have been Republicans uh, but for there to be any sort of like widespread uh, voter fraud you'd have to have a lot of people willing to commit a felony to fraudulently vote for absolutely no benefit to themselves you know it doesn't benefit it doesn't benefit you or me or anyone else to cast a vote to pretend to be someone else and cast a vote you know I mean in order to and and in order for there to be that enough people to even potentially sway an election you'd have to have thousands of people across the country you know to sway in a local election even you need hundreds of people willing to do this right. you know it's 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 ridiculous you know we there is no problem with election fraud the problem is the party in power trying to make it harder for everyone to vote well the people that they don't want to vote so to vote. mrs <laughs> romine yes she said well you know anybody can get an id and i said well you know this is going to affect the elderly because, you know, if their vision slips, they could lose the right to drive, but they're still cognizant enough to vote. She yeah. goes, well, anybody can go down to DMV and get an ID. And I said, well, you know, what does that cost? Of course, I don't know. I didn't research it since I've spoken with her. But is to me, I mean, that's just another hindrance if you have to go pay for something just so you can go vote. Right. Exactly, you know. I think that uh, you know IDs like that should be free anyway. But the well, nothing is yeah. ever free. Yeah. She mentioned that Missouri was going to give free IDs, and I said, "Well, then that means the taxpayers paying for it." Yeah. So nothing's really free. Sure. But it hinders these people. Mm. Um, I can move on. Just sure. a quick ones because. <clears throat> I don't want to take up all your time. You got a day job. That's fine. I'm on vacation. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, about the voter ID thing, uh, interesting thing is, I had uh, uh, I had moved shortly before uh, this most recent election, and I hadn't had the time to get the ID on my driver's the address of my driver's license changed. Uh, so when I went to vote this last time, I brought uh, a bank statement to the polling place. You know, and I like that up till you know at least right now. Uh, you know, you can bring a bank statement or a utility bill or, you know, anything that shows the name and address, you know, right. shows that. You know, it should be broad and easy and available for everyone. Well, when they first came out and started talking about IDs to vote, that upset me. I was like, this is ridiculous. 
But yeah. I didn't take into consideration, say, Springfield with 169,000 people because I live in rural Missouri, yeah. 400 people. Yeah. So to me, it was like, good grief. You don't know me. Come on. Yeah. So then I went to one, and I brought my driver's license, but I brought the utility bill, and I said, he asked for my license, and I said, well, I've got my utility bill. And he goes, that's fine. He goes, you can vote, but we'll set it aside. There's just no guarantee that it's going to get counted. Hmm. And I was like, okay. So out comes my ID, intimidation. I, mm-hmm. But I, that's what I fear. Yeah. Is that people, if you do bring your driver's license or utility bill, it's going to just get set aside and counted last, or if it gets counted. Right. I don't know. Yeah, that's a, definitely a concern. That They shouldn't be allowed to do that. Well, now we all have to have photo ID, so. Yeah. I think they passed that law. But, um, so then I just had some rapid questions. Mm-hmm. And then I thought of one because I'm passionate about this. I want Amtrak so bad. Mm. <laughs> it goes from St. Louis to Jeff City to Kansas City. How can we get it down to Springfield, Joplin, Rolla, you know what I mean? Do a loop. Yeah. Uh, that I've heard that sort of thing uh, before when I was running for State House. I spoke to several people who wanted uh, you know, pa- high-speed passenger rail around here. Uh, you know, I think that would be a good idea. Uh, you know that that sort of thing would require both state and national funding. Uh, you know, I think I think it would be great to be able to hop a train to say, oh. you know, St. Louis and Kansas City, Columbia, Jeff City, you know, and further out west, you know, to I think to Tulsa. more of St. Louis and Kansas City. I think more of them would come to our town. Yeah, if they could just hop on a train and not have to worry about anything, just hop on the train, run down the Bass Pro, and get your new <laughs> fishing rod and get back up. Yeah, uh, and that doing something like that would also uh, require us to uh, improve our local uh, mass transit infrastructure. Uh, you know, we would need we would need more buses. We would need more bus routes. You know, say someone arrives at a train station, which would be either I don't know downtown or on the edge of town. Uh, so then they need to be able to get around while they're here, uh, either by you know, ooh, well they could you know. They could do, you know, take a rideshare app or a taxi or rent a car. But, you know, I mean, we want to be able to reach as many people as possible. Right. And uh, say we have a concert yeah. down here, mm-hmm. and if we had Amtrak that ran down here, we could pull people in from St. Louis or Kansas City or other yeah. town, even Rolla. It's like just hop on the train, run down, see the concert, hop on the train, and go back home. Yeah. So I would think it would increase our economy as well. Yeah, it's... Uh, that's I just a passion of mine, and I'm going to ask every representative, <laughs> every candidate that's running for office, I'm going to ask them about that. That's put that little nudge in their ear. Sure. What do you think of uh, inflation? Well, it's definitely, uh, in the last year or so, it's uh, it's definitely been higher than we want it to be. Uh, you know, it's been the po- it's been policy of our of the Federal Reserve to maintain inflation at a uh, rate between usually two to four percent per year, and it's and they have been doing that uh, over the last um, several decades. Of course, with the COVID pandemic and you know, the problem with that is what we've been seeing is a uh, throttling of the supply uh, of supply lines and production. Uh, 
which in turn has led to increased prices. Uh, you have people who had collected uh, pandemic assistance, uh, now you know willing to spend money, but there's not as much you know stuff out there to do that. You know, I I would think, well, I would hope that uh, you know when we have you know the stronger economic recovery, when productivity goes back up, we'd be able to. Uh, match you know, when supply would be able to match demand. I, so, do you think the prices will go back down, or do you think we're stuck? I think the rate of inflation is going to go down eventually. I can't predict when that would happen because a lot of things will need to happen in order to do that. Uh, will prices go back down? It depends. For it depends on what for. Uh, you know, for one thing, you know, the consumer price index uh, only tracks purchases of, you know, your your typical household consumables. Uh, it doesn't track the price of things like real estate uh, or cars. Uh, you know, it, I don't know. I don't. I'm not sure if it tracks cars or not, but it doesn't track real estate. Uh, so, inflation doesn't track. Well, the consumer price index doesn't track real doesn't track the cost of real estate. Uh, <clears throat> On that note, NPR did a report today, and they said that houses were coming back down. Yeah, it looks like from you know I'm I'm not uh, constantly you know watching the cost of uh, you know, housing prices, but from what I've heard, they they appear to have plateaued in certain areas, and they may you know the, the real estate prices fluctuate just like anything yeah. else. Um, but yeah, you have a lot of money floating around, and not a lot of things for that you know money to be spent on right now. At least not as much as there was two, three years ago. Uh, so yeah, I can't yeah. go to the store without spending over fifty bucks, even if I'm just going in there for one thing. Yeah, it's frustrating. But I I want to say this and get your thoughts on this because I have a small farm and I buy grain for my calves and um, as soon as President Biden was elected the price of grain went up mm -hmm. and I asked my feed store person I said what's up with this because the former president bailed out all of these grain and soybean farmers 280 billion dollars mm -hmm. he gave these farmers so why would you be raising the price well the price of corn no they've got we've already bought and paid for that well, look who's in the White House. That's what they said. Look who's in the White House. I thought, oh, you're raising the prices because we got a new president. And then shortly after Biden, Mr. President Biden was um, inaugurated, and he reiterated that he was going to push for electric cars, solar, blah, 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 gas prices started going up. Do you think that, that there is, a, what's the word? Mm. Correlation? Do you think that this is like retaliation? The president wants you to have electric cars. That affects me. I'm going to raise the price of gas. Well, the president doesn't control the price of gas. I understand you know, that. And you know, we don't have that sort of centrally planned economy. <clears throat> uh, you know, it's it's purely about corporate profit, plain and simple. If they if they can raise the prices and make more money, they will. Uh, and they are. Yeah. 
So yeah, why are prices going up? Because the people that sell them are charging more. That's why. So what are your thoughts on electric cars? I think they'd be a good idea. Uh, you know, decrease our reliance on uh, foreign and domestic fossil fuels. Uh, they are, they'd be excellent for the vast majority of people on a day-to-day -day basis. You know, I don't drive that far from my home to work. I would be a perfect person to have an electric car. Uh, most of my driving is done inside the city uh, or, you know, nearby. Uh, I, uh, I think uh, you know, for your average commuter, it'd be a perfect. Uh, you know, we, and, I th and based on what I'm hearing, uh, the cost of batteries has been you know, steadily going down with the technology is available. Uh, you know, I think though, the, well, although again, gasoline cars are still cheaper. So, you know, well, they're coming down, electric cars are. Yeah. I've been shopping. I mm. want one so bad. Yeah. <laughs> but um, hopefully my car will stay alive till the end of the year. Yeah. Then I can get one. Um, what do you think about Equal Rights Amendment? The 38th state ratified it in 2020. Mm -hmm. And um, the House was passed it. And then Mitch McConnell said, no, it won't see the light of day. I don't like it. Mm. And it hasn't. And then when President Biden was elected, the House passed it again. And it's out there again yeah. in no man's land. Well, yeah, I mean, we'll see. Obviously, this is something that's going to be up to the states to do. It's been sitting out there for decades. It's already been yeah. ratified. They're just yeah. bickering about the timeline. We yeah. extended the timeline. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Missouri... Do you feel it's a good thing to, to have equal rights amendment mm. in the Constitution, or do you think it's a mute thing? Uh, I mean, it's a good idea, but we already kind of have that with... Uh, you know, the 14th Amendment, uh, and, yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not opposed to it. LGBTQ rights. Mm-hmm. Do you think that'll be the next thing attacked after the abortion thing? It's already being attacked, yeah. It's always been attacked. But... Yeah. Uh, I mean, we're already right now seeing a concerted effort to, you know, slander and defame LGBTQ individuals, you know, from, you know, from the other side. Uh, it's uh, worse than it's been. Well, worse than it's been in a while. Uh, now, I I think we did. We do. We should uh, expand our protections uh, in you know for employment law, housing. Uh, All of that's going to be under attack. Of course it is. That's why we need to have the right people in office. That's true. Roe v. Wade. How do you think? What do you think? That's a sticky. That's going to be just the first domino, you know, in the chain. Uh, there are going to be, you know, we're going to go back to different states having different laws on it, and then each state is going to be fighting, trying to prevent uh, women from traveling out of state to get an abortion if they need one. Well, Missouri is. Yeah. For sure. You know, that, something like that would require either A, a constitutional amendment, or you know, strong federal legislation enshrining the rights into law. It's been disappointing that, uh, you know, even when we have a Democratic-controlled you know, White House and Congress, that, they're, that they haven't been willing to pass strong laws uh, protecting those rights. You know, we can't just rely on the Supreme Court to protect it.
we need strong legislation. What are your thoughts? That just occurred to me, as an attorney, that that Roe v. Wade was leaked. The decision, or the yeah, the it wasn't the decision. It was the uh, well, it was a draft of the opinion. Yeah, um, that it was leaked by someone, and yeah, the Supreme Court has been famously closed-mouthed on, you know on releasing its decisions like things like this almost never happen they don't happen yeah well they it's happened now yeah uh, so you know and we don't know whether that is going to be the decision or not or whether it was a, a draft well it was a draft but we don't you know that we don't know if that's going to be the final form or not so you know I think well, the very fact that people are concerned and worried about it, I think, is is enough. We need to, it's it's enough to show that we need to take legislative action on this issue. Now. So it's fair to say that you're pro-choice. Yeah. Pro-woman. I like to say pro-woman. Instead of pro-choice. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, it's a decision that should be left up to uh, the woman and her and her doctor. Yeah, because I don't want to diagnose your limp. Yeah. I don't think I should do that. Prison reform. Do you have any thoughts on prison reform? I'm against pro. I'm against uh, for-profit prisons. Uh, you know, we need to emphasize. Well, I think we do need prison reform. We always you know, there always should be. We need to give people in prison the opportunity to set their lives right, you know, improve their educational abilities, the possibilities of getting education, getting training, rehabilitating the ones who can be rehabilitated and let out. Uh, you know, there are some people, so there are very some very bad people in prison who really should, you know, be removed from civilized society. But there are others who can be reformed. Uh, I want to ask you this next question, and then I want to go back because something I just thought of something that happened. Legalized pot. Yeah. You think it should be legalized? Yes. Just straight across the board? Yes. Okay. Um, let me go through this list real quick. Book bans? Abs no, absolutely not. CRT. Do you think it's being taught in our public schools? It isn't. And the people who complain about that don't know what it is. It's you know something that is really only taught at high-level academic environments. Isn't it in law school where it's taught? Law schools, graduate schools, you know. Um, so you were taught this in when you were in law school. We didn't really have a course on it. Um, I think there, it's not, it's not really the sort of thing that you deal with the substance of the law. It's more. Critical race theory, it's not really even a theory in the sense that, like, gravity is a theory, you know. It's its really more of a methodology of looking at our legal, social, cultural, political institutions and uh, how uh, those institutions either uh, perpetuate racial, uh, racial divides or uh, favor uh, one, racial, one racial group over another. Uh, or perpetuate uh, existing uh, existing social structure, social uh, economic so structures, or injustices. Uh, it, that's you know, 
that's not the sort of thing that you talk to a that's not the sort of thing that an elementary school or you know high school student can really you know fully understand because you need you need a much larger context in order to put that sort of thing in into uh, you know when I was in college when I you know when I was in college we touched on things that could potentially be considered critical race theory or at least you know tangential to it but I mean you know this this whole fear of, of critical race theory is just a, a phantasm that the right has come up with uh, to get people angry and afraid about something that they don't even understand and that isn't even an issue. Well, you're a, uh, not your opponent. You corrected me on that. Angela Romaine mm-hmm. is just adamant that this is being taught in school. Yeah, she's lying. So, uh, well... And not to pick on her, but I did ask her, I said, are you, are you attending any of these um, PTA meetings or anything to find out exactly? No, she's not. She's attending these other, I can't remember the name of the group she named, but she's not going to, to PTA to even find out if this is being taught. Of course not. Because So you I have to ask you, do you attend any PTA meetings? Have you thought of t- attending any PTA meetings? I thought about it. Uh, well, you know, I don't have uh, any children in the public school system. I don't think that's a requirement, uh, though, is it? Yeah, no. Okay. But uh, yeah, I don't, uh, I, or school board meetings. Uh, you know, that's something I you know probably would need to start doing, uh, kind of to see what's going on in there. And because I know several people who do attend those school board meetings, and you know, I've heard there's some very is some very contentious things that people say there. From the school board members that I've spoken with and the folks who are involved in education that I know, it's not. It's just a phantom that they've come up with to, you know, to scare and anger people. This Duggar guy down in Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Doug. Josh Duggar, I think? Yeah. He just got 12 years. He's like 33 years old, 34, mm-hmm. and he got 12 years for child abuse and it was pretty some of the the stuff they found on his computer was pretty disgusting sure but 12 years and i remember during the katanji katan katanji brown yeah they grilled her over our own senator grilled her josh holly over her decisions on child abuse and and from what i learned from listening to that from when she was a prosecutor or as a defense when attorney? Was, when she was getting uh, confirmed for justice. Yeah. What I learned from that is that it, she could only hand out sentences in accordance to the law. Right. So he's only getting 12 years. He'll be 46 approximately when he gets out Yeah. if he serves a full term. And some of the stuff that they found was so graphic that I don't even want to repeat it. Sure. So, do you feel like that's something that we should be working on? Like tougher sentences for yes. people like that? I don't know. Is twelve years is twelve years enough? Is it not enough? You know, enough for what? To well, I think the child is scarred for life. Sure. But well, I think that we shouldn't be focusing our criminal justice system on the principle of revenge or punishment or you know eye for an eye you know harm for a harm you know that's I am I don't think that that is a healthy or a productive mentality or 
method of pursuing criminals. You know, there are folks that are bad that should be removed from, you know, from society. Uh, there are some people that maybe can be rehabilitated. Yeah, I'm not really in a position to say whether or not that. But it starts yeah. in our legislation. Yeah, that's where the laws get made. Yeah, and I think that our laws should be based on reason and facts. You know, and do you feel like twelve years was enough? I think that is a def definitely a it's a serious sentence. Obviously, uh, I can't really say if I think it's enough. You know, just locking someone away and then letting him out 12 years later, okay, and then what? You know, uh, some, someone like that should probably be monitored for the rest of their lives at least. Well, I mean, they get on the sexual yeah. line, but good grief. All right, I'm going to ask you one last question because your phone's ringing and you got to get to work. I don't. I'm on <laughs> vacation. Nice. <laughs> Medicaid expansion and right to work were passed by the majority of the Missourians, and yet it seems like the last two years they have fought tooth and nail to get rid of Medicaid expansion. Yep. What are your thoughts on that? And if your party is in the majority in Missouri, what can be done to just put this to bed once and for all? Well, like any law, it's, uh, you can't really make, make one law that stays forever, obviously. You know, we need to have the right people in office continually so that they don't keep passing bad ones. A few years ago when all those ballot issues were on, you know, we voted, we defeated right to work. Remember, we don't, you know, right. It's a, it's a, yeah. it's a trick. Yeah, right to work for less. Yes, that's what we would call that's it. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, but I and other Democratic uh, candidates and office holders worked hard uh, to defeat right to work to uh, get Medicaid, uh, Medi yeah, Medicaid expansion, uh, the, uh, the marijuana legalization, improving, uh, improving the minimum wage, and all those, all those ballot issues that we supported, uh, the people voted with us on them. And then the very same election, they turn around and voted for the people who are now trying to overturn their will, their, you know, their decision. You know, it's a it's a paradox that we that we have. Uh, you know, we the people agree with us, you know, with the Democrats on on policy and issues and real things that affect themselves. Uh, well, is that something that you should campaign on? I mean, we do. In a, I mean, literally call it out what it is. Look, the majority of the, of Missourians wanted this. Mm -hmm. But you elected people who did not want this. Mm -hmm. You yourself could have voted for this expansion, but in the same token, you voted for somebody to go up to the Capitol and kill it. Yes. Is that set? I think that needs, just me personally, I think that needs to be brought out. It's like, you understand what I'm saying, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. You voted for this, but you're voting for somebody that's going to kill it. Yes. That's, yeah. Oh, believe me, you know, we talk about that all the time. You know, if you want somebody who will actually represent the people, you know, you have that option. The flip side, we don't have the 24-hour TV and radio propaganda broadcasting into the ears of, you know, 
millions of Americans. You know what amazes me about that? When I, when I speak on this, people are like, you're kidding me. There's a Russian radio station in Missouri. Mm-hmm. I think believe it's south of Kansas City. Uh, they sued our government to be able to get a radio station here mm-hmm. under freedom of speech. Mm-hmm. And this radio sp- station is supposed to talk about religion, uh, country music, and some politics. Mm-hmm. So these people that are, you know who's going to tune into country western music, the rural people. So while they're turning into that, they're getting fed this message. Do you, do you see that? Do you feel that way or not? Well, that's definitely part of the larger plan, sure. I don't listen to talk radio. It's a difficult thing. People want their existing beliefs to be reinforced. Right. And I think we have a lot of folks who uh, are in a bubble. You know, they only hear one message 24 hours a day, and it's a message of anger and fear. And, you know, it gets them... It gets them angry. You know, it gets them angry at people who uh, aren't their enemy, and that's sadly one thing that I keep that I've, that I've been seeing more and more often in this country is Americans seeing felt their fellow Americans as the enemy. And, oh yeah, yeah. You know that's that is not a good way for a country to go. If there's a solution to that, it's uh, <laughs> it's going to come have to come from the people. I appreciate you taking time for me. Sure. So that concluded our interview with Mr. Raymond Lampert, who is a candidate for the Missouri Senate District 30. If you have any questions or if you want to follow Mr. Lampert, he has a Facebook page. Just search for him at Raymond Lampert on Facebook, and you can interact with him there. Reach out to me, comingoutofthekitchenpod at gmail.com. Send me an email. Let me know what you think of the show and if you have any questions or suggestions or you can email those to me as well. I look forward to hearing from you and until next time, have a great day.